The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another live edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're happy to have you here on another Friday. We're coming to you live from the Birmingham IIBA Conference, where we just had a fantastic day. We had probably 10, 12,000 BAs here. It was a huge conference. That's all you needed to know. Uh, but a fantastic day of learning. We had a, a lot of fun uh, talking about Agile, talking about, uh, you know, business analysis, uh, and really what it means uh, as the future of that profession. And we're going to actually have one of the speakers that was here with me today uh, join us live here today. Um, October 6th, though, coming up, the big Live to Lead event. It's 250 countries, a simulcast event. Of course, the great John C. Maxwell. We're going to have Cheryl Boschelder. We're going to have work done. We're going to have uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. That is happening live in Atlanta, but it's going to be simulcast in, in many, many countries. If you go to l2l.johnmaxwell.com, you can find out where it's going to be. If any one of these speakers was coming to your organization, you would be spending between ten to thirty-five thousand dollars just to hear one of them. You're going to hear all four of these speakers, really, for a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars, depending on where you're going to go see it. Um, that's happening on October 6th. We're hosting that here in Hoover, Alabama at the Renaissance Ross Bridge. So please come join us. That's October 6th, Live to Lead. October 13th, I'm going to be in Des Moines, Iowa uh, at the PDD event out there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I will be, I think it's October 25th, I will be uh, out in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So if I'm going to be in one of those areas with you, please come see us. Please uh, come be a part of, of those live events with us. So today, again, I was at the IIBA conference. We, we had a full-day conference, um, a lot of fun, a lot of education. And one of the, the, the people that was here with us today uh, was Rylan Layton. Rylan has uh, completed a book called The Agile Business Analyst, Moving uh, from Waterfall to Agile. So I wanted to introduce Rylan to you guys. Rylan, uh, say hello to the audience. Hello, everybody. It's really good to be here today. So, Ryland, uh, for the audience, just uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, tell us how you got here, and then uh, I, I want to dive into your book. Well, that sounds great. So, um, I've been in business analysis for about 10, 15 years now, uh, moved, through it, moved to it through uh, a few other fields in technology, and um, just have loved doing agile development work and agile coaching and working in the business analysis space with agile, and, um, you know, through working with different people for um, a few years earlier on, I decided to write the book on Agile Business Analysis, moving from waterfall to Agile, as uh, you were discussing a little earlier. And I just had a chance to read the book, and it's a very, very technical manual, uh, really, in, in that transition of, of waterfall to Agile. So you go through the Agile Manifesto, you go through you know, waterfall, you go through Agile, but you, you give a lot of great advice on you know, card writing, you, you give great advice on how to you know, write stories on how to estimate, but, you know, what led you to, to write this book? You know, it's interesting. I'm really glad you asked that. Um, the main thing was that I'd given a presentation at our local IIBA chapter on this. I had about three hours, which turned into four, discussing this exact subject and how I'd personally made the transition in this style of working with our local IIBA group. And there were so many questions and so many people who had uh, who were just struggling with this exact subject, that I was having hallway conversations with them at professional events and every place I ran into them, where they were asking questions that seemed like it was a short question to them of, I just need to know this one particular thing. And all I could think of was, oh my God, that's a huge question. And it's so, like so many things in business analysis, the answer is it depends because your situation is unique. 
I thought, let me see if I can raise the conversation level on this. Let's start with the basics, tell everybody the raw stuff of what I know that I think is going to apply for everyone. And then I can have a conversation about their situation and how maybe the book, you know, doesn't specifically fit what they're dealing with because every workplace is different in certain ways. And I could raise a level of conversation for everybody and really spend time with people on the unique things that they're interested in solving. So I want to um, do some compare and contrast here because, you know, a lot of my audience comes from the project management world. A lot of my audience are project managers and business uh, leaders. And I think a lot of people get confused as to what is the difference between a project manager and a business analyst. So let's start there. What are some of the key differences between project managers and business analysts? Well, I tend to think of it as the business analyst is really sort of the organizational radar of the project team. They're paying attention to the core project that they're working on, of course, but because of their work with the organization as a whole, they're paying attention to how the work and deliverables and impacts of this specific work effort are going to ripple outwards into the company and what other things might be necessary to support the deliverable. So, for example, if you're creating a new product and this team is responsible for creating that product, there are going to be effects on the groups that have to sell that product, to service the product, to configure and provision that product, uh, to train people on how to use the product both inside the company, so all the technical pieces that might go into it, and externally to the company, the customers who want the easiest way and just want to know how they use it. They don't want to read a 60-page manual. They want to read something simple. And all of those other pieces have to fit together. Now, the business analyst may or may not be engaged with those other teams directly, but they want to raise the issues so that the project manager can address those risks appropriately, make sure the other parts of the organization are engaged and aware of things, see what kinds of impacts the timelines that might be and what other deliverables might be necessary, and then coordinate all of those things. So we're saying that the BA is organizational radar for a really brief, brief discussion of that, um, especially during their analysis and work. And that, by contrast, the project manager is going to be somebody who is making sure that all of those things are accounted for into the business and can keep track of, as I think of it, what the realistic work of the product team that's going on is getting done. How are they on track? Are they off of track? What are the right expectations to be set and uh, communicated to leadership? And then if there are roadblocks that can be removed, of course, we look to the project manager to really try to clear those problems away from the team so that the team can be successful and achieve the business goals at hand. And so, you know, a lot of my listeners have heard me do my elevator speech and in my elevator speech for project managers is that project managers make dreams come true. And on page 78 of your book, you actually address an elevator speech for business analysts. What, what is your elevator speech for, for business analysts? <laughs> well, since you have it, I might direct you to read it. However, um, I want to tell you, I really appreciated hearing your elevator speech today. And it made me look at mine and say, wow, mine's really wordy. I think I might be suffering too much from uh, uh, the opposite of writer's block when it comes to my elevator speech. So um, actually, if it, if it doesn't uh, disturb you, uh, I'll let you uh, read that since it's there. Oh, so you know, challenging me, you're, you're, you're making sure that I actually do have your book open and open to page 78, which I absolutely do. So it said, <laughs> as we said earlier, we must remember that Agile is a software development approach, not a project management approach. The developer isn't going to be interested in business process analysis, but the BA is. By being able to shift between the big picture and the details as the circumstances dictate, we provide the organizational radar and enterprise-level thinking that are missing in the Agile approach. So down below, you have the business analyst value proposition. It says, as a BA, I free the product owner to focus on the needs, desires, and interests of the end customer. The product owner can then maximize the value of the full suite of products and features that our company offers. While they're doing that, I'm making sure the project deliverables are analyzed all the way from marketing through ordering, delivery, billing, accounting, and customer support. My focus is on making sure internal and external customers will be satisfied that the impacts are identified and managed so the company has no blind spots and that the development team has a smooth flow of work to deliver. But I'm going to come back to you and say, why is that so important to have? Well, again, I want to thank you for rating that because, uh, again, in getting to listen to it when someone else reads it, I say, wow, I think I need to get it down to where you don't need to take a breath in the middle of the whole thing um, because I know I would have needed to. 
Um, how is that different between the product manager, between the product, excuse me, the project manager and the business analyst? So the business analyst, I think, is really, uh, you know, again, analyzing things from a lot of different angles and trying to think ahead in what will be necessary in the execution of the work at the technical level. Uh, in my case, it's because I'm in software. Whereas the project manager is looking to make sure everything happens, right? I don't want to say it's project management and control, project execution and control. That feels trite. And I know that project managers do a lot more than that in the context of leadership and communication and gathering resources for the team to use. But I think that's the distinction. The, team, the BA is focused to making everything happen while the project manager is being a little more strategic and wrapping the entire project, right? Because the BA is not so interested, for example, in making sure the developers are executing. That's not the core responsibility of them in a classic situation. Whereas the project manager clearly has to know, is everyone else doing their pieces of work, right? Is everyone on track on, and, and if not, what do I need to do to help them be on track? How can I clear roadblocks and provide resources? And I appreciate that perspective. So what we're going to do right here is we're going to take our first break and we're going to come back right after the sponsors pay some bills. And what I want to discuss when we do come back uh, from break, though, is with the advent of Agile, and especially as, as methodologies are changing, um, I feel like the project manager and business analyst jobs are really kind of under attack. So as people are starting to make the transition to Agile, people are starting to think, maybe we don't need business analysts anymore. Maybe we don't need project managers anymore. And I'm going to want to get your perspective when we come back right after break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. 
And we are back on another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're meeting today with the Agile Business Analyst, moving from Waterfall to Agile. The author is Ryland Layton, and uh, he and I just finished speaking really all day. Uh, Ryland gave two presentations today in a panel interview. I did the panel interview with him uh, today, did a, a presentation at the IIBA conference here uh, in Birmingham, which uh, Susanna Rollins, a, a great friend of mine, uh, pulled together and did a fantastic job. Um, and I believe it was their first conference. So, you know, we, we understand what kind of feat that is to pull off. Uh, and we're, we're very excited to be a part of the first ever uh, conference here uh, for the IIBA chapter here in Birmingham. Um, so coming back, we, we teased uh, the, this question going into break. But as companies are starting to change methodologies and, and looking at, at moving from waterfall to agile, you know, you hear a lot of agilists, and, and, and I, I like to lump them you know, there's these poor agilists that, that are coming in and leading organizations down the wrong thing. And, and for those of you that listened to my show last week, we were talking about the, you know, the people that were trying to, to train for the Olympics and, you know, didn't want to give up the cheeseburger. And it, you absolutely can choose the wrong people to lead an agile transformation. And so you have these people who are doing agile theater, doing agile wrong, and saying things like, well, we're agile now, so we don't have to plan. So therefore, I don't need project managers. And we're agile now, so we don't have to document. So therefore, I don't need business analysts. And so I feel like some of the the primary components that make software development or make projects successful are under attack, such as project managers, business analysts. And Brian, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you're seeing out there. I appreciate that. You know, we talked a little at the conference today, and my kind of standard opinion on some of this is, the companies that have said, oh, we're going agile, let's get rid of our BAs and PMs, they wind up hiring them back. They discover they've lost organizational knowledge and organizational capability that they do need. And I think at any scale, you do need this. Uh, The thing I tend to say is it's all about the team capabilities that you need. During one of the presentations I gave today, I said, if you think about the product owner in agile, this is a person who is skilled in agile approaches to constructing products. This is somebody who knows how to think about what the customer is wanting, to craft a product vision, to do market analysis. And then when they switch to the internal focus of the company, they have to think about what they are going to provide as, uh, as epics and user stories and development content for the team. They have to spend a lot of time with the team. There's all kinds of things that this person needs to do. And you can find some of these folks. They're, they're not exactly unicorns, but you can't usually find a ton of them um, because of the nature of the work. So that's just basically saying, I need all of these capabilities. And while it is possible in rare cases to find all of those in the same body, I think companies at scale, by which I mean any company with you know, 100, 200, or more employees in their technology sector at the very least, are finding that they need, to get an, they need to get enough people to do the different kinds of work that they need to do, but they're having to split this into more than one job. But the typical classically trained, uh, maybe scrum perspective of the totally competent in every way product owner in all of the areas I described is not always uh, available. So you find instead a product owner who's going to you know, take this product to try to that are going to delight customers, that will you know, change industries. Whatever it is, they have that vision. And you pair them with someone who is a business analyst who can help ground those things into the solution. And as I was also saying today, it's helping that person provide good rigor into the work they're doing, but not rigor mortis. We definitely don't want to slow things down to that point by any stretch. We're taking on additional work on ourselves to make sure that the product's owner's vision is communicated well to the team, and we're doing it collaboratively. We're working with the product owner. We're not just throwing something over the wall. That's never a good practice, no matter what style of work you're doing, whether it's waterfall or agile, no wall throwing. It doesn't work. And we're saying, so I've heard you say this. I've documented it like this. Let's talk about if that's the right thing or not. Do I have your vision correct? Yes, I do. Great. Let's go to the next thing. Creating good, well-crafted epics and user stories and exceptions criteria. And then um, making sure the team has bought into that and says, yeah, we understand this. Let's give our contribution to this. You know, by changing this slightly, we can do this better. Or can we follow the 80-20 rule with the work by collaborating with the developers by saying, 
you know, 80% of what we want is really, really hard, is really, really easy, excuse me. This 20% is where really all the work lives. Could we defer that? Is there a way to change it? What's the real value here? Is it this thing or this other thing? And then making sure that it can execute against it. So by looking at those things from the behavior point, I think we are able to um, make sure, we, we present a good way to pair up BAs and PMs, and that's one of the things I describe in my book, uh, excuse me, BAs and product owners, POs. Now, for the product management, excuse me, project manager space, um, you know, there are still challenges in this, and they're evolving. Certainly, a lot of the scaling frameworks, the project management competencies, making sure certain things are in alignment, making sure nobody has any roadblocks, checking that people say they're on track and then, you know, trust to validate kind of perspectives. Um, it, those things, I think, are where the project management space is evolving in the context of Android because we need that capability in the enterprise, even if we're calling it something different. The commonest example I know, and I know you're more of an expert in many of the scaling frameworks than I am, is I think the release train engineer, which is someone who is keeping an eye on a variety of agile teams who are acting in concert to deliver a complex product. And if any one of those teams is behind, it could jeopardize the, the common deliverable that all of them are working towards. So that person keeps an eye on specific things that are coming out at specific dates, but is not monitoring the team for all of their activity. They're keeping track of particular components that are relevant to that particular release train and making sure that those things are aligned. And if not, they exercise good project management uh, skills and competencies to say, all right, do we mitigate the risk? Do we accept the risk? Now that the risk has materialized, do we take an action in particular? What action will we take to take care of this thing that has materialized? And are there resources I can throw at this or some strategy I can employ so that we get back on track? Yeah, I think from a project management perspective in the Agile frameworks, I, I see project managers taking a step up. It's a step up in the strategy. And quite frankly, most of the project managers I know don't like to be down into the details. We're not ones that like to monitor the task level, monitor the hour level, the effort level, that kind of stuff. But we've had to over time based on the methodology because that was the only way to obtain status. It was the only way to get the information that we needed to. Uh, so status meetings, things like that were necessary because it was the only way that we could report progress. So one of the jokes I always say when I speak is, you know, the dumbest question we always ask is, what percent complete are you? But that was the only monitoring progress we had and, and it was a requirement on a status report, so therefore we were forced to ask the question. So what I'm seeing in the project management space is we're actually taking a step up, as you're saying, in that release, release train engineers, more into the strategic space and seeing how the interconnectivity is working. We're free and in love to, to release some of that lower-level activity and let the team progress and the team tell us where they are uh, and just let us clear impediments. Um, but what was interesting, and, and I think uh, I, I want to uh, pivot to a question that we answered earlier today from the audience, um, also is, you know, the expertise level. Um, so while, while Agile is saying that they want, you know, uh, general specifists, right, they, they, they want everybody to kind of know a little bit about everything, um, one of the questions was, you know, can we get somebody you know, Agile certified and then lead an Agile transformation internally in an organization. Um, I, I think people are thinking they can do that in the BA role and the PM role. And while that's possible, what you lose is that domain knowledge, like you're talking about as well, um, where, you know, you, you're losing the 15 or 20 years of experience of, you know, all of those past projects and all that past Rolodex knowledge that you can, you can really, you know, obtain. And so I, I think it's important that, you know, you're maintaining these skill sets while you can, what, what you can do with those business analysts and those project managers is make them more of the generalists on the team and involve them in different ways. And, and so one of the quotes that we said before is it's, it's not about the role, it's about the goal. So instead of trying to release the BA and, and try to teach BA knowledge to a developer, how about, you know, bringing the BA into a different role in the team where they could be significant? What do you think about something like that? I think it makes complete sense. Um, the idea there is to act to potentiate the team and not to hold it back. Uh, one of the key things I talk about in the book, and, I, and certainly we talked about today, is when there's additional new work to be done, make sure you think at least three times before you ask anyone else to do it as a business analyst. Um, you kind of asked about documentation. I didn't really go towards that. This is a good example. We're creating durable knowledge by doing 
documentation work, right? Things that do not necessarily live in somebody's brain and become organizational assets about how things work. Now, we don't want to do that with something that's not needed, but there are things that we should do that with because they will be needed. And I use entity relationship diagrams and certain process flows within the company as things that are probably pretty durable. They're not going to change suddenly. So I think the BA bringing those skills and that knowledge to the table and saying, you know, we should invest a few, you know, let's invest 20 minutes in doing this thing and we'll keep using it and building it and adding to it. We don't need to map out everything right now, but let's map out the things we do know. So when it comes to transforming disciplines, I think individual disciplines can benefit from people going off and saying, all right, we're not trying to change the whole process, but how our group, either project managers or business analysts, contribute to the process that we are already executing. How can we change our thinking to a more agile mindset and remain in our, our roles or whatever it is the organization's already set up for us? And how can we contribute and then cause a greater conversation saying, you know, we have this capability. Should we consider other ways we can employ this capability as analysts or, or project managers to the larger group? Would there be a benefit in us taking on X or Y or Z uh, responsibilities? And as long, I think, as we're not interfering with and we're enhancing the ability of development work to get done faster, then I think we're having the right conversation. And I think the right conversation, the right level of documentation, and, and learning how to ask the right questions is the make or break of Agile. So while Agile is an incredible methodology to try to improve the productivity, it's all about doing the right things at the right time. But if we're not asking the right questions up front, or documenting the right things, I think it's a failed methodology in the beginning. So, you know, my, my mentor and friend, uh, John Maxwell, says great leaders ask great questions. And I think the, the, the greatest value a BA can bring to a process is how to ask the right questions at the right time, not only of the product owner, but of the developer, in, in bridging that gap and making sure that we get there. So I'm going to pause there. We're going to take another break here. When we come back, what I'd like to do is pivot that as we're talking about great leaders and great questions, how does that relate to getting the best in, in our user stories and in, in formats of that? And we'll discuss how, you, how you've developed that in your book and some of the, the methodologies that, that you talk to there. So you're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. We'll be right back with Ryan Lee. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
you are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to the Work-Life Balance on another Friday edition. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter, at Rick A. Morris. Find us on Facebook or LinkedIn. We always love to communicate with the audience, and I always appreciate the follow-ups after the show. Uh, So we were just talking about user stories and and talking about leadership, and and great leaders ask great questions. Um, And so particularly in your book, Ryland, um, you give great examples. And, and again, uh, I encourage you to, to find the Agile Business Analyst Moving from Waterfall to Agile, written by Ryland Layton. It's a very, very um, well-written technical book. Uh, so that a lot of people ask, uh, you know, I see a lot of Agile books that are just kind of, you know, um, more about the methodology. It's, it's more of the high level. This is a very, very technical how-to guide. It has a lot of practical advice. Um, and a lot of, uh, for those of you who are wondering how to do Agile, this book is very practical for you. And in it, um, you know, one of the things that I see a lot of people struggle with is the construction of user stories. And, and you know, how do we do user stories and what should our user stories look like? Uh, and particularly, again, on page 179, you, you give a, a great example um, of how you should construct a user story um, around the narrative. And I just wanted to, to cover that briefly. So w- would you talk about that for me? Sure, I'd love to. You're totally right. I was really glad to put concrete, usable information in here. I think that there's a certain amount of theoretical stuff in the Agile space that's very valuable, and and I myself tried to blend a good amount of theory and why we do a thing with the here's the thing you need to do, here are the nuts and bolts of doing it. User stories are really where the rubber hits the road because they're the unit of execution that the Agile development group is going to go do. And since they come from the BA, they're kind of the main artifact, and you've got to be able to get this right. So the main the typical uh, construction for user story is the narrative, which is an, a structure of as a type of user or class or something suitably specific for the purpose. I want the following specific business capability so that I experience a benefit. And one reason we say this is to try to nutshell without any other noise around it, a clean package of information that the developer can absorb, that they understand who wants this capability, why they would want it in the first place, and what the capability is. And ideally, it's a very small unit of development, as anybody who's dealing with Agile knows we're doing this iteratively and accumulatively, and we try to do the smallest thing we can do as that is practicably useful. Um, I like to say that a, a fully fleshed out user story card would have the narrative in some form of a story format, typically as a I want so that, that it has an in and an out of scope part. The in scope is just kind of saying very briefly a couple of sentences, we are going to do these things in this card. And out of scope is you might think we were going to do these things, but here's the line, we're not doing these. And in a, in a robust environment, you might also say, by the way, we're looking at those in these other cards here. There are numbers that you might want to track if it's important. Because a, a de- this all comes from decomposing a larger thing called an epic into its component stories, which are what you're going to go build. Now, once you've done those, you might put some technical notes in that I think are important if you're going to go play the card. And then the other really critical skill for the BA is to be able to write a well-constructed acceptance criteria. Now, I know that some people out there are going to just list the acceptance criteria, like the screen should look like this, there should be a box permitting someone to enter the street address and the zip code and the other specific things, and that those things should be stored when I click submit uh, or things like that. Just very specific atomic stuff that meets in many ways our SMART requirement criteria of specific, measurable, actionable, uh, attainable uh, realistic and testable. Testable is always very important, of course, in software development. And I think that's good. Um, I myself am a fan of the given when then set of ways of doing this, which I, I won't bore your readers with, I know, or listeners with. I know there's a lot of ways to look at that, and I outline it in the book a lot. It's just a, a means that's frequently more aligned with software development and also facilitates the quality assurance process if you're doing uh, automated testing, is what the QA team members I've worked with have talked about. So when you get all of those together and it's clean, 
then the development team knows what to build, can see how a user would look at it and think about it, uh, can see how a business user will accept it or not. That's what your acceptance criteria are really based off of. As a business user, these are the things I would expect to be able to validate myself, not going into the code, but using the thing you've delivered to me. And I think being able to do that is just a core competency for a BA. So that's why I spend so much time in the book on, here's what this does look like, here's what this doesn't look like, and I try to give people references to other books that spend entire books on exactly these subjects. And the best written user stories leads to the greatest software. I mean, it's as simple as that. It, it, it is the gap between what I think is successful and what I think is unsuccessful. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, my initial experiences with Agile were because uh, a particular company I was working with had uh, eliminated their BAs, as we said, some do. And um, although they came to me later on and said, you know, we think that was the right decision because those BAs were stuck with analysis paralysis, which is also something I discuss how to avoid in the book of how to chunk your work and think about what you need to do. Um, they said, we still are not getting high-quality user stories because our product owners, apropos of what I was talking about earlier, they have a great product vision, but they weren't skilled at communicating it in a way that the development team could easily absorb. And the dev team was pushing back uh, appropriately in a way because they couldn't tell what to construct on certain cards saying, I can't build this. It's not specific. Do you mean, you know, you've said such and such, but do you mean this, 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 or this? And it turned out it wasn't even any of those sometimes that the person was really trying to describe. So by having me in the process and helping make this work, I learned to write really quality user stories, and we weren't turning any back. Or I guess I should say we were turning back maybe 5%, which I felt is a good thing. It means we weren't gold-plating anything. We weren't spending an inappropriate amount of time writing the user stories, and we weren't in analysis paralysis. Uh, at the same time, we were maintaining a high enough quality level that we weren't upset by how much we turned back and said, this turns up to need a little more refinement. Uh, and we might find that from the technical viewpoint, or it could just be that Somebody in the estimation meeting said, hey, have you thought about this? And we realized, you know, we really didn't think about that on this card. Let's take it back. We'll put in this other one instead, and I'll have this one for you next sprint. No big deal. Worked okay. So let's pivot for a second, because the greatest methodologies, I think, you know, obviously look for inspiration or they borrow from other things. And, you know, if you look at, at some of the things that Agile is really starting to borrow from, um, you, you look to leadership, and if you look at Posner's Leadership Challenge um, and look at really kind of the five principles that, that Posner talks about, he says, you know, model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, and encourage the heart. And that seems to be at the core of really what the Agile principles are about. What do you think about that? I agree with it a lot. Um, one of the presentations today was discussing where the BA field needs to be going on what the C-suite is expecting from it. And a lot of those folks were saying, I need more leadership. And as we all know, and uh, I think we try to work towards, leadership is not about your level in the company. Leadership is about the things we just described in many ways. And in Agile, we have an emphasis on collaboration that I think is really critical. And there's the opportunity for people to lead in many different ways without interfering with each other, right? This is sort of the ability of people, if you think about it as sometimes maybe waveforms or other things, you can interfere destructively where all of your different things that you're trying to generate this energy with damage each other and are colliding, or they can build and add to something really, really awesome. So... In Agile, by collaborating, maybe I'm focusing on what kinds of product quality and product analysis uh, and business analysis I'm bringing to the table and trying to say, okay, my contribution can look like this. So I may be inspiring that vision for myself or for other team members, whereas one of my, maybe the senior technical person on the team, they're inspiring a technical vision of where we should go. Aspirationally, it should look like this. This is what we should uh, look to for our levels of technical quality design and things like that. And I think that all of the attributes you just described connect in Agile because our, one of our Agile, uh, Agile values is uh, we value individuals and interactions over processes and tools. We value customer collaboration versus contract negotiation. When you get into statements like that, you're saying, we want to solve problems. We want to solve them together. And we want to be led to understand what kinds of things we're doing. So when you say inspire a vision, 
as I said, there's the you know project man. There's a, you know the project management, the technical vision, perhaps, and there could be a, an analytic vision in some ways. But there's the product vision, right? We're all on a team working towards this, and as long as we're contributing to it, let's go with that. Modeling the way, I'm going to act in a way that is aligned with contributing to others is one of the ways um, a scrum master or a product owner can really inspire the team by saying by sitting down and making sure they make time for people. Uh, we talked earlier about the quality of questions. Challenging the process. One of our agile principles is that from time to time, team members, the team will meet and reflect on its performance and see how it can improve. So in that environment, which is supposed to be a very safe space for collaboration and discussion, team members can call out things they think that have been successful at, things that are confusing to them, things that are uh, not going well. It's, it's much more than just good and bad. If you're just making it good and bad, it's, you're, you probably should look into uh, a few other retrospective um, modes. But in that context, you can challenge the process and say, in, in a collaborative way and intending the best, could we try this instead of what we're currently doing? What would it look like if we did? Would, would everybody be willing to do that? And then you can take the more junior team members and encourage them and, and enable them to act. Sometimes it's enabling a senior team member to act because they were concerned about stepping on somebody's toes. Maybe they're very good at what they do, but they're a little introverted. So we're trying to encourage them to show that kind of leadership and to bring their mind to the table because they know something no one else does. Whoever, everyone in that room probably knows something no one else does. This way you encourage the collaboration and you're focusing on those individuals and interactions at retrospective and elsewhere. And I think that makes a big difference and those five uh, approaches and components of leadership really align with the Agile values a lot. What frustrates me about Agile is that everybody thinks Agile is a new concept. In this whole collaboration space and all that stuff, you know, it seems like this whole fresh approach to, to IT and software development, but valuing people is something that's been around forever. And I love the fact that software development is, is picking up on it and the fact that team collaboration, team decision-making understanding and optimizing the whole is, is, is something that's really taking shape in IT and software development. But those are concepts that, have, have sh- that should have been taking off a long time ago. Um, there was a book that was actually written um, called Radical Project Management uh, years ago. It was actually written in 2002 by Rob uh, Tomset, uh, who just, he did a great job of, of describing the evolution of IT from the dark ages all the way to now. And there was a point in which it was collaborative and then went away. The business took it over. It became a do it because I said so. And then the IT took it back over and said, well, this is what we're going to provide for you. And, and, and so IT has gone through several evolutions. Um, and so now we're back to this collaborative space, which is fantastic to watch. Um, but at the, at the core of it, people and valuing people should always be a number one principle of any methodology. So I'm glad that Agile is, is pointing that out and this team collaboration is there. Uh, but it should have never gone away. So we're going to take a break right here, and uh, we'll be back for our final segment. Just to tee you up, we ask every one of our guests, what's the best advice you've ever been given? So we'll let you uh, have a chance to ponder that question, and uh, we'll be right back after our sponsors uh, play some commercials, and you're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other, where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage, where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. 
Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end -end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back for our final segment of the Work-Life Balance. And we've got Brylan, uh, Brylan Layton, the author of the Agile Business Analyst, moving from waterfall to agile. We've been discussing several uh, concepts here, right, to waterfall, agile, really what it means to be in leadership. Um, and so one of the questions I'd love to ask all of our guests is, uh, so, Brylan, what's some of the best advice you've ever been given? It's funny how much this has come up lately. I mean, one thing I found to be true is just that nothing's ever wasted. But I think that's the thing people probably internalize on their own as they go along. Uh, all the lessons you learn through life, you'll find a lot of different ways to apply the same ones. The best advice I got was earlier in my career from uh, a supervisor who I have to appreciate the mentoring from tremendously. Uh, she was. Uh, she definitely saw that I was a young professional and I was very much trying to at the time, somewhat be everything to everybody. I was afraid sometimes even to admit that there was something I didn't know about in a particular area. And she stopped me one day and said, Rylan, I really want you to think about this. I've been with this company for 25, almost 30 years. She says, I've been with it from when it started off in the, a, a simple day to uh, now when it's this huge, giant company. So I kind of have a stock and trade of knowing what, where everybody is. I know the history. I know how they got their jobs. Uh, I know how we've gotten to this spot. And that's what I know about. And because I know those things, I don't pretend to know other things. I have a place of solidity and confidence and competence and value that I stand on that I uh, can be very realistic about. And because of that, I'm very, very free to admit when I don't know something. And I really like that. And she said, that's what I want for you. She said, you're a database guy, my job back then. Uh, I rely on you for technology advice. I rely on you to understand how the pieces of technology we work, we use work, and what things I need to know so I can make informed management decisions about them. And I don't expect you to know more than that. And I don't want you to feel like you have to know more than that. I want you to always learn. I want you to always grow. I want you to learn more than you know today, tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, knowing enough about what everyone else's jobs are so you can be on the lookout for things that are important to them is, goes with the territory of every job. But don't be afraid to say, I don't know the answer to that. And you can always follow it up with, but I'll get back to you by Thursday or whatever you can do. But knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at frees you to collaborate with people who are good at the things you are not good at and to embrace them for that, to prize them, to value them, to appreciate them and to bring to the table the things you're good at and to invite them to the table to bring the things that they are good at. And I've always loved that. And I think, as I've said uh, at other times today, that aligns with my values personally as a professional person and as an agilist. Well, let's be, have a foundation for collaboration with people. That's great advice. And uh, so how do people get in touch with you? How can they book you? How can they find your books and uh, you know, websites, that kind of stuff? Sure. So the website is uh, Uh If you get there in the near future, you get a picture of me and my dog and uh, a couple of other links about how to get the book. You can order a bunch of them from me through the website directly. You'll just need to contact me about that and tell me what you're interested in. If you're looking for individual copies, the best way to get you know one-off or two-off copies is to go to Amazon.com. 
and look up either my name or my full name, Ryland Layton, or to look up you know, the Agile Business Analyst. You'll probably get to my book directly there. Right now, there's only physical copies, not an electronic one. I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, and otherwise, to get a hold of me, the best way would be email, which is also on my website if you forget, but otherwise, it's rylandtheba at gmail.com. Outstanding. Well, we, we certainly appreciate you being a guest on the show. We've appreciated uh, your participation here at the Birmingham IIBA event. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you again in the future. And uh, uh, I'll give you uh, some, some quick advice. Uh, I got put to shame. I, I was just on a, a television show, Moving America Forward. Uh, it was hosted by Doug Llewellyn, and he asked me for my uh, web address. And I said, well, it's www.rsquaredconsulting.com. And so I had uh, Doug Llewellyn look at me and go, you know, nobody says WWW anymore. And I was like, all right. Thanks, Doug Llewellyn. I appreciate the advice. No, so <laughs> anyway, but we appreciate well, thank you. it. We look forward to, to, to running into you again in the future. I'm going to again be in Des Moines, Iowa on October 13th. We'll be at their professional development day out there, October 26th. We're going to be out in Jacksonville. And, of course, the big, big, big event, October 6th, Live to Lead. That's l2l.johnmaxwell.com. You can put in your zip code. Find out where it's going to be simulcast in your area, but you do not want to miss the lineup. It's John Maxwell. We've got work done. We've got Cheryl Boschelder and, of course, the great Dave Ramsey. It is an incredible event you do not want to miss. If you do happen to miss it, though, there's going to be replays that are going to be happening all over the country at different times um, after the event. I think replays are happening all the way up until March of uh, next year. So uh, make sure if you do happen to miss the October 6th event, Find out where replays are going to be happening in your area. But, uh, again, this Live to Lead thing is, is an incredible, incredible event to be a part of. As always, we appreciate you guys uh, supporting our show and um, in, in reaching out to us. You can find me at, at Rick A. Morris. Reach out to me on Facebook. Reach out to me through LinkedIn. And also, don't forget that we just uh, started our new web series, which you can uh, search the hashtag PM Minute. If you search PM Minute, you can find that on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn as we start to release just little one-minute vignettes uh, to remind us why it's so awesome to be a project manager. So, again, reach out to us. Find that on YouTube as well. Like us. Subscribe to the channel. We always appreciate your support. And until next week, we hope that you live your work-life balance. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.